This episode has been brought to you by Project Ikute Torah, where we are here to help you learn, live, and love Torah Or and Lakute Torah. To learn more about us, visit projectikutetorah.org. This week, we're learning the Sigha for Parshas Turuma, Parshas Sumer Tovshin and Bays. You can follow along with the Sigha and say for our Sigha's Tovshin and Bays, Chaylik Bays, page 380. The Rebbe says, Poistin with Bracha, we always begin with a Bracha, especially standing at the opening and the beginning of Chaydish Adar, when there's the command, there's the Halacha of Mishan Nichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha, when Adar comes in, we increase in Simcha. This is also a month that it's considered that the muzzle of the Yid is especially strong and healthy, so to speak, the fortune of the Yid, the luck of the Yid, if we could say so. And therefore, it's understood that Yidin are especially blessed in this time with all sorts of brachos. Furthermore, the Gemara says that just like when the month of On comes, we decrease in Simcha and happiness, so too when Adar comes in, we increase in Simcha. The Gemara says that because of this, if a Yid has some sort of court case with a Goy, he should try to avoid going to a court during the month of Av, because that's considered having a bag muzzle. Rather, he should try to make sure that the court case will take place in the month of Ador, which bori muzzle, which has a healthy muzzle. The question that Rebbe asks is, why are we comparing, why is the Gemara comparing the just light when Av comes, we decrease, so too when Ador comes, we increase in Simcha, if anything, thinking about the month of Av, when we're trying to increase in the Simcha of Andor, might be decreasing the Simcha of Adar when, when we are reminded about the month of Av. So the Rebbe says that actually, on the contrary, when the Chazal tell us that just like when Av comes in, we decrease in Simcha, so too when Adar comes, we increase in Simcha, that's coming to teach us that the fact that we are decreasing in Simcha when Chodesh Av comes, and we are comparing it and saying that so too we are increasing in Simcha when the Chodesh Adar comes, what we're trying to say is that the whole purpose of what Chodesh Av is all about, the whole purpose of decreasing in Simcha and Chodesh Av is ultimately to transform that itself, transforming darkness into light, bitterness into sweet, and so do all these negative things tend to happiness. How do we do that? How we in, do we increase in Simcha and transform the negative things, even of Chodesh Av? That itself is through increasing in Simcha in the Chodesh Adar and having this healthy mazel, bori mazel in Chodesh Adar, which will transform most of the negative things on Chodesh Av. And therefore, if anything, this increases the Simcha of Chodesh Adar. That means to say, that in addition to the simcha that we have in Chodesh Adar, simply for the happy and good things that are good in a revealed way, we also have the simcha from the fact that we are being that we are transforming all the negative things that ordinarily would cause you to decrease in simcha. But right now we are transforming those things as well, similar to something that the Al Rebbe tells us in Tanya. There's a passage that Yitzchok says, limat amin, make for me delicacies. Now, delicacies over here is in the plural. So the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, and the Rebbe is applying over here as well, that there's two types of delicacies. One is through things that are sweet to start with, and that would be similar to Marbin Besimcha and Ador because of the happy things of Ador. 
But then there's another type of delicacy, or in this case, another type of sweetness and happiness from things that were originally sour or sharp or hot. And we spice them up properly well, and they revive the soul. So this has a special gishmak, a special taste, a special delicacy. This is similar to the idea of transforming the inyonim makhidish of, transforming darkness into light and bitter into sweet. Says they have a base on this, we can understand why this particular halacha of increasing in simcha and chaydesh andor, where it brought in the Gemara, it's actually the Tainus. It's in the Gemara that's speaking about the descent and all the terrible things of chaydesh of, including the fact that we have to decrease in simcha, and yet, and what are we saying at the same time? We need to increase in simcha in the chaydesh andor. And the explanation is, as we just said, because this is ultimately about transforming the negative into positive. And the Rebbe says this adds even more to what we started saying, Poishin Bebrocha, that we start over the Bracha. So here we have now the Bracha and all the kinds of Brachas, both the revealed Brachas, but also transforming the things that were originally seemingly not so, transforming them also into Bracha and Simcha. And of course, ultimately the greatest Bracha, and that which is most timely, the Bracha of the Gugulua, Mitis Vashleim, through Mashiach Tzedkenu. When we will have the greatest simchas, the Pasuk says, We will be filled with laughter, and it will also have Bori Mazle, the strongest and healthiest model of the Yidl. And, of course, also the ultimate of the transformation of darkness into light and bitter into sweet. In Seyev Beis, the Rebbe explains, many years, starts off in the week of Parshas Truma. Based on what it's known that the Yom Toivim of the year, have a special connection to the parashis of the Torah in which they fall. So we need to now understand the connection between Chodesh Adar and what we said in Shenichlas Adar Margin Besimcha and the fact that we say that Adar has a special healthy and good strong muzzle for the Yidden. How is it all connected to Parshas Truah? In addition to the connection to Chodesh Adar generally, so we also need to understand the connection between the way Chodesh Adar falls out the year that the Rebbe is saying the Sikha. Now, Tavshinun Beis, that was a leap year, a Ibriyar. So since there was a leap year, there was two Adars. So when Parshas Tuma was being read, it was the beginning of Chodesh Adar Rishoy. That's point number one that the Rebbe wants to deal with. Point number two, that year, Rish Chodesh Adar Rishoy, and the Rosh is the hand that which leads and guides the whole month. So that year, Rish Chodesh fell out on Tuesday and Wednesday. And this is another thing that the Rebbe wants to explain in the Stikha. In order to understand all of this, the Rebbe explains in the Siv Gimel, let's first have a look on some details of our Parsha itself. In the beginning of the Parsha's Truma, the Avishta says, the Yikhuli Truma, that we, that we should take a Truma, a donation, for the purpose of the Beis Hamikdash, etc., for the Mishkan. And this is what should be taken, Zav, Akasaf, and Achishas, gold, silver, and copper. Famous question that ever says, why does the Torah start off by the Trumites or the Mishkan for these donations of the Mishkan, first mentioning Zav, first mentioning gold? The Rebbe explains why not. So the Rebbe says, in addition to the general idea that usually you would have thought you would start off asking from the smallest to the biggest, from the easiest to the hardest. Um, and so you would first say, then you should give the smallest thing, and then not only that, but give the next thing as well. In this case, it would have been even more appropriate to do so. Why is that? 
since we're speaking about over here the donations that the Yidin have to give for the Mishkan, and this is an obligation on all Yidin that every single Yid should be able to give according to what he's able to give according to what is the generosity of his heart. As the Pasuk says, Take the Truma from all the people that will donate generously. Now simply, of course, there was differences amongst the Yidin between the rich and the poor. And clearly, in the donations of the Mishkan, not all Yidin gave the same amount. If that's the case, shouldn't we rather start with the things that are more available to all Yidin, like the silver or the copper, things that are more equal by all Yidin, and only then get to the coal, the gold, which that is mainly going to be given by the Yidin that are very rich. The Rebbe says, in fact, when we look at the donations that follow, that's actually the way it seems. All other things that are mentioned in the Psukim, besides for the fact that gold is mentioned first, it actually seems to be very much in accordance to what the donors are able to give. So first we have the Zol, Kesef, and Achishis, as we just mentioned, about silver and copper. These are things that generally all the Eden, or at least most of the Eden, had and gave from this to the Mishkan. Then comes the special type of wools, the Tzeles, the blue wool, the Argon, the purple wool, the Tzeles, Shoni, the Sheish, the Izin, all of these different types of materials, which the Pasuk clearly says only those people that had some of these materials were able to bring them, because not everyone had these things. Eventually comes the Atze, Shittim, the cedar wood. Again, the Pasuk says whoever had it, because here there was even fewer people that had with them these special trees or wood for the Mishkan. And finally, all the way at the end, we have Shemin Lavoy, the oil that was needed for the Menorah, the special precious stones that were needed for the Choshen and the Eifoid, which here the Pasuk says that who brought it, Hanasi may be only the leaders, the princes of the Yidl, were the ones that brought it because the regular Yid and the rest of the Yidl wouldn't have had these things. Especially, says the Rebbe, based on the Pshat on Vahanisi Mehviu, which according to some actually means that it's referring to the clouds brought these precious stones who was not at all around by the Eden, didn't have them at all. So the question is, it seems to be that with regarding to the rest of the donations of the Eden, it actually goes in the order of, so to speak, from the most available and the easiest to get to those things which are harder to acquire and that not everybody had, if that's the case, we come back to our question that when we speak about gold, silver, and copper, gold should have also come the last of these because, of course, there would have been fewer hidden breeding the gold rather than the silver and the copper. Even though it's true that all hidden had lots of gold and silver from the spoils of Mitzrayim and from the Yamsuk, and the Chazal tell us that there was not a single year that didn't have 90 Libyan donkeys loaded with gold and silver from its rhyme. Nevertheless, obviously the Egyptians had more silver and copper than gold because gold is obviously something more precious and dear and it's something that's available in less quantities and that's exactly why it's more precious. And therefore, if the Egyptians had less of that, so now the Yidin would have had less of that. And of course, as we said before, amongst the Yidin, there were also the richer and the poorer. So the question becomes again, why does gold come first? Furthermore, says the Rebbe, 
in addition to the fact that every year had more copper and then silver, more silver than gold. In fact, when we look in the Mishkan, the donations of the Mishkan, that's exactly what we find, how it was brought as well. The Ramban says, The people that brought the gold weren't as many as those that brought the silver and the copper. And the silver, and the silver and the copper was much more than there was of the gold. And the reason, again, simply is, actually because of the Mishkan, there was more silver and copper needed than gold. As the Parsik and Parshish Pekudei enumerates and explains what everything was used for. If that's the case, the question becomes even stronger. Why mention the gold first in the donations of the Mishkan? Now, the Nebuchadnezzar preempts a question. We cannot say that the Torah is enumerating the various different things, whether it's 13 or 15 things, according to order of importance, and gold being the most important, more than silver and copper, definitely. That's why it is mentioned first, because again, let's look at this compared to the other things that are brought from the donations. We have all the way at the end, the Avnei Shoyam and the Avnei Milui, the special stones that were used for the Choyshul and the Eifoyt. They are the most precious and the most important and the greatest from all of these things, and yet they are the ones that are counted all the way at the end. Point number two, and even more importantly, says the Rebbe, in regards to the donations for the Mishkan by the Yidin, it actually doesn't make so much of a difference how important each item is on its own. Rather, what's more important is the donations coming from the Yidin and the need for the Mishkan. And again, if we're looking about what the Yidin are donating, as well as what does the Mishkan need in both for both of these things, there was more of a kesef and a chosh, silver and copper, rather than gold. So in summary, the question based on all of this is, really, why is Zav gold being mentioned first? Another question that I've asked is, what is practically the Eirah for future generations from the fact that the gold is mentioned first and the donations of the Mishkan? In order to explain this, the Rebbe says in Siv Dalud, we're first going to have a look at a more general question regarding the whole Mishkan, and then we'll come to understand why gold is first. Making and building the Mishkan was dependent on all of the Yid, as we just discussed. First of all, there is the command to donate to the Mishkan, as we said before, that was to all Yid, the Yikuli Tzuma, take from every single person, not only men, but also women. And as the Apostle says, anoshim, ala anoshim. that is, that the women came and gave donations, or maybe even came first, in fact, even the children participated in the Mishkan. So that, as far as the donations to the Mishkan are concerned, the supplies to everyone equally. Also, the command to make the Mishkan, is an obligation on each and every year. As the Rambam says, everyone needs to build and help along by themselves and with their money for making the base of Mikdash, men and women, just like the Mikdash, when the Mishkan and the Midbar was made. So the question is like this. The Mishkan was obviously there to bring about something very, very amazing that didn't happen until the time the Mishkan was built. That is, that in a physical structure down here in this world, there will be Mishkan and the Abishter is going to come and dwell. As in fact, we have the Pasuk where the Navi himself is surprised and wondering. Even the heavens cannot contain Hashem. And Davke, this place, this physical structure, is going to be the place where Hashem is going to come down. I'm going to come and meet the Yidl in the Mishkan. 
So something very amazing happened over here that the Amishter is coming down to dwell down here in this world. If that's the case, in order to build this Mishkan to the Amishter, the place for for the Amishter to dwell over here, you would have assumed who should be building this? The most important people. The most harsh of the people by the Eden. They are the ones that have the ability and the power to bring the Shekhinah down to this world. In fact, the Rebbe says, regarding the actual making of the Mishkan, we actually find it. Who is the one that makes it? We have B'tzalel, the Pasuk says, to fill them with the Spirit of Hashem in accordance to the Eroids, the directives of Moishan Abedu, who had heard everything directly from Hashem. Furthermore, it was says exactly as I am showing you how to make all the things of the Mishkan. That's the way you should make it. So regarding the building of the Mishkan, it seems to be that the actual builders were very, very special and talented people with special kaychas from what you should have made and so on. But yet it comes to the actual donating for the Mishkan of being involved. Here we say every single need needs to be involved. Men, women, and even children. So again, the question is, how is it possible for a simple person, for a simple man, for a simple woman, and even a little child, to have the koyas to bring down such an amazing thing that the shechina should come down in a physical house, in the physical world. V'shachanti b'soyichom, furthermore, that the Amish should come down inside of each and every year. Something that, as we said before, Brother Pasek, even the heavens cannot contain Hashem. And now you're telling me that every single year could bring down Hashem down here. Especially, says the Rebbe, in the Yitcholi Truman bringing these donations. So Chazal tells us, tell us that Li means Lishmi, that it needs to be with a special Kavana, just like the Asuli Minder, just like the Mikdash is made. It has to be made specially for the sake of Hashem. I mean, it's not only about physically building, but there has to be a Kavana, there has to be an intention. You have to do it with the right Kavana. And obviously, when we speak about doing things with kavona, doing things with Shema for the sake of Hashem, especially if you want to do it perfectly, it's not going to be the same by all Yidni. Men, women, and children are obviously going to be different. And as the Rambam tell, tell, tells us in Hilchus Tshuva, that the ultimate avoidable Lishma, which is doing something just out of your pure love for the Abish, and not doing it for any other reason, only doing the Emes, because it is the Emes, because it is the truth, the Rambam tells us this is a very, very, very great level, and not even every Chacham could get to this level. If that's the case, the other question is, it's not only about everyone participating in the Mishkan, we're also saying it's going to be Nugea, the Kavano. Kavano, there's definitely going to be differences between the simple people and the scholars. How could we then come along and say all Yidin should be equally involved in making the Mishkan and donating for the Mishkan? So the Rebbe said to see, hey, the explanation is as follows. The command for making the Mishkan, as we know, comes specifically after Matan Torah, and is a continuation to Matan Torah. What happened by Matan Torah? The Eibushter chose each and every Yid, and after the body, the goof of the Yid was chosen. That is, that even as an Hashem is in a physical body, in the physical world, he should be part of the Mamlechas Koyin, of the Goy Kodesh, part of this holy nation, and a nation of Koyin. As it's no, until Matan Torah, there was a separation, there was a decree. The upper worlds cannot join the lower, the lower cannot go up to the higher worlds. Matan Torah, this decree was nullified, and Yidin, as they are down here in this lowliest world, even as they are in a lowly 
Gashui is a good place. In essence, what's a yid? He's always connected to the alluring to the upper worlds. Because every single yid has a chaylik, mal, mamish, a part of Hashem literally inside of him. And this part of Hashem, which is his essence, as we know there's a rule, ha'etzen, when you take a part of the essence, you really have the whole essence. So it's a part of Hashem, it's really a part of Hashem. So a yid and Hashem are all one. And that's what Matan Torah is all about. But from starting from Matan Torah, every single yid, regard, regardless of his situation, notwithstanding what he seems like externally, we say, in essence, he, he's always that same precious yid. There is that pintal yid, the nekudas hayadus, that we say that because of this pintal yid, that spark and that essence that he has inside of him, he does not want to and he can never separate himself from Hashem. And as the Rambam Moshe tells us, that the real inner desire of every single yid always is to fulfill the will of Hashem. Even though sometimes it seems to be different, that's only externally. Because he has a Yitzhar of getting the better of him. But deep down inside every and what is he really? His godly soul. Furthermore, even such a Yid, that's holding in the meantime at a level where he cannot be doing things purely for the sake of Hashem, the Rambam tells us, a person should still be involved in learning Torah even if it's not going to be Lushma for the sake of Hashem. Because ultimately, he will come to do it for the right reasons. And the Rambam goes on to say that therefore, when we teach little children or women or um, other people that are not on the level yet, whether it's Amiya or it's illiterate people, we don't start right away with teaching them and going to the highest level. We start off with teaching them to serve Hashem with fear, with awe. Eventually, when they get to higher levels, we get them accustomed to and we bring them to serve in the Eivishter from love. So in other words, originally it might be with other sorts of reasons, ulterior motives on why they're serving Hashem and only eventually will they come to this level of serving Hashem out of love. The reason is because as we said, that ultimately from the Shaloi Lishma, they will come and do it Lishma. And the Rebbe says in a deeper shot in the words, we toyich Shaloi Lishma, Lishma, literally meaning from the Shaloi Lishma, from doing it not for the sake of Hashem. He will eventually do it for the sake of Hashem. The Rebbe says, Mitoyer, really the inside of Shaloi Lishma, really the inside of the Yid's Avoidah. Even when he's doing an Avoidah clearly for ulterior motives. So, the, But the inside of that very activity itself is really Lishma. Whereas the Rebbe puts it over here in the brackets, the inside of the Tarachtonim, the inside of that which seems so lowly, is really the highest of the high. Says the Rebbe, if that's really what every single Yid is deep down inside, he is this a part of Hashem. As we just explained, now we could understand how every single Yid, men, women, and children, have this command and having this koyak to make the Mishkan for Hashem and to do it Lishmi, to really do it for the sake of Hashem. Because through Makul Toyota, every single Yid became as if a new entity. The kind of entity that as he's in a shama in a physical goof down here in this world, regardless of his level in his service to Hashem, even if it's not yet Lishwa, we say about every Yid, deep down inside, what is the inner aspect of the Yid? It's all about Hashem. It's all doing it for the sake of Hashem. And not for any other reason. 
quote the Rambam again, doing things not because of any other reason in the world, not because of fear that something bad is going to happen, not in order to get something good out of it, but doing the truth because it's the truth. And therefore, every single yid actually has the koyach to a cause that even the world, and it's in its lowliest state, could become the highest levels of Kedusha, could become a yoyin, in fact, making the whole world a dwelling place for the Amishta down here, a mishkan and a mikdash Hashem, regarding which the Amishta could say, Vishachanti Besoichal, that I dwell in it. Says the Rebbe in Sivov, now we can finally understand why gold is mentioned the first from all the donations of the Mishkan. When the Amish there in Torah enumerates the donations that a Yid needs to bring, he starts off with counting gold. Because that is expressing not really the importance of gold per se, irrespective of its connection to the donations of the Yid for the Mishkan. Rather, what it's really expressing is the Hashivus, the importance, the quality, the greatness of a Yid. What we're saying is, that the first thing that he is possessions, first as far as quality, as far as importance is concerned, and therefore the first of his donations is gold, the most important, the most precious thing. What do we mean by that? What we're saying is because the whole mitzvah of the Yid, the whole existence of the Yid after Matan Torah, is that even as he is down here in this lowly world, and then Gashmi is to the world, a place where the building of the Mishkan is gold and silver, and in quantity, we're going to need more copper and, and silver, even more than gold. But first and foremost, we look at the Yid. What is the Yid? In his very essence, he's a rich man. He's a prince. Furthermore, every Yid is a king. And therefore, since every Yid is so precious, every Yid is so special, every Yid is so rich, so therefore the thing that's most relevant and most connected to a Yid is the most precious thing, Zoho. Gold, which the Rebbe says, gold, zav, is also a Rashatavis of the word Zehan Loisein Bori, which literally means this is a person that's donating when he's healthy, not waiting for any problems to come up. In other words, what we're saying is that Yid, as he's down here in this world, he's standing in the highest and greatest way that both Begashmius and Berulius, Zehan Loisein Bori, he's fully healthy and strong. Furthermore, in addition to the fact that, they would have, that by putting gold first, that expresses the quality of the Yid generally, saying he's a rich man, a man that gold comes to first. This is particularly important in the context of because the whole way how he could make a place for Hashem, for Hashem, for Hashem to dwell, it's specifically because the Yid, as he is down here in this world, as we said before, in essence, he always remains a spiritual being. He's on the level of Zav. He's the purely best. When we are speaking about, says the Rebbe, as far as the Mishkan is concerned, and what we're going to need to donate to the Mishkan, so yes, it's true that it will be needed silver and copper even more than gold. First of all, that was what was practically more available to the Yidden. Also, that's what was needed more in the Mishkan. But that's as far as the silver and gold or copper is related to the Mishkan. But when we're speaking about the Yidin themselves, the ones making the Mishkan, there what comes first is Zoham the gold. Because what we're saying is that a Yid, even as he is down here in this world, first and foremost he's connected to gold. Again, meaning, of course, that spiritual richness that he has 
and therefore he has the Koya to make the Mishkan for Hashem. Says the Rebbe, that's actually the reason why we didn't had so much gold at the time. That is all coming, it's a Ishtalshuz. It's all coming there from their spiritual quality. Because spiritually, every Yid is an usher, every Yid is rich, every Yid is on the level of gold. That cause that also down here, but gashly is, they should have lots of gold and be rich in the physical sense. Says the Rebbe, with this, will become even more gishmak and more understood that when it comes to Parshas Vayakil, when we're speaking about the Yidin practically going ahead and bringing their donations, the Torah actually divides the division of the gold, the division of the psukim, referring to how the gold and silver and copper were brought into two separate psukim. We first have a passage by how the Yidin brought all the bracelets and all of the different gold ornaments and so on and so forth in gold. And all the other donations that were brought to Hashem from gold. And then a couple of sukkim later, first discussing some of the other things that were brought, the trellis, etc. The Pasuk speaks about those that brought the silver, the copper, etc. The Ramin Bandit explains that since the women are being discussed over here, so what are the women mainly had? They had the gold jewelry. They didn't have the silver and the copper. Basically, that gold is a separate, is a whole separate category for itself, totally different quality to the other things. Based on what we were explaining, we now understand that what Zong gold is really representing is the shlemus, that perfection, that beauty, that richness that exists inside each and every men, women, and children. And the Rebbe says that's actually the reason we could say why gold they all had, the men and the women, whereas the silver and copper, not necessarily so. Says the Rebbe in Siv Zayin, now we can start explaining and connecting all of this to Chodesh Adar, which as we said before, that in the beginning of Chodesh Adar we read Parshas Tua. But first, to explain the Gemara that we mentioned earlier, that the Gemara says that in Chodesh Adar, the mazel of the Yid is especially strong. So the question is asked, an obvious question asked in many places, don't Chazal tell us that a mazul Yisrael, that the Yidin don't have the concept of mazul. You don't go by luck. We don't go by all sorts of um, things based on the star, the, the stars, the, the planets, etc., etc. So what does this mean, the idea of a mazul? So the Rebbe says, perhaps we could have tried to answer based on a Rashi. Rashi on the words a mazul Yisrael tells us that the davening as chos, one's mazel could change for the good. Good. That seems to imply, in other words, that he does have mazel, but there's a stronger power that we have, davening as chos, and the mazel could change for the good. But the Rebbe said that doesn't seem to be a sufficient answer regarding what we mean when we say, that Adar has a specifically healthy mazel for the Yidwul, which simply sounds like that it's not about changing the mazel through certain law, through davening, through certain merits, rather that the mazel itself is a healthy mazel. And we're trying to understand how does this fit in with Yidin not having the concept of mazel. So the Rebbe explains it in the following way. In essence, based on how high a Yid is rooted up above, as he explained before, 
a yid really has absolutely no shyness to this whole concept of the mazolis, of all of these heavenly beings and heavenly signs and so on and so forth. As the Pasuk actually says, El goyim al tilmadu, you shouldn't learn from the ways of the goyim, you shouldn't be concerned and worried about the different signs in the heavens, that's something that the goyim are afraid of. But really, the Rebbe says, the chidush of the yid is even more. It's not only because of the yid's root and shoyrish of above, with speaking God, even as the yid comes down here into this world, into a physical body and in a world of nature. He's coming down into a body that externally seems similar to the body of a goy. And the goy clearly are sort of, in a sense, controlled by these mazolis. So a yid is in a place where he's dealing very much with the Gashmiyazdika world. And yet we say, even not only it is shady, but even as he's down here, we also say, a yid is not subjected to these mazolis. And therefore, first of all, as we said before, the yid has the power through Tzvila and Tzvila to change the mazol for the better. But really, the Rebbe takes it a step further. Because still, so far, that's still saying you have a higher power than the mazol. It's still not the mazel itself. Comes along Chodesh Adar with a greater Chodesh. What Chodesh Adar is saying is that even as a yid, and in fact even an individual yid, is down here in this world, and in some way in a world that's very much to do with these mazolois, he might even be dealing with a goni who he's having a court case with. To such a degree that we say a Chodesh Adar should actually try to avoid it. Yet we say in Chodesh Adar, the mazel is completely healthy right from the beginning of the month. And even without any avoid of your own, the mazel on itself is healthy. To the extent that even if a yid doesn't see it and doesn't feel it, nevertheless, it's actually happening. So in other words, it's sort of going on beneath the surface without even the yid having to do anything about it at all. Maybe he's not even aware of it at all, but it's still happening. The Rebbe explains this even furthermore if we look into the Chassidnish shot on the words, Ein Mazel Yisrael. So Chassidnish tells us that when we say Ein Mazel Yisrael, we could also translate it in the following way, that the Mazel of Yisrael is the level of Ein or Ayin. In other words, the idea of Bitu. A knows something not or nothing. So I it actually means nothing. Where the level of nothing is the level of beetle, of being nullified. This is the muzzle of the it. Just very briefly, this doesn't mention it in Sichovir, but in some other places it will say that this is either the sphere of Chachmo or the sphere of Keser, which is called Ayinovir, the idea of Bittul, and that is actually what's giving the Kaikos to the it. So the Chidr says the Rebbe over here is. That this is the case, not only up above, somewhere there, that's the mazel of the year, this high level of bitul, but actually, mazel is also from the word noisel, which means it drips down, it comes down from above, down below. So that even as the yid is down here in the world where there seems to be these mazolois, and he's dealing with a goni, nevertheless, his mazel, his bitul to the ambishter, that's really what the yid is all about, that's really his. Actual what is, as we said before, that the inner desire of a yin is always to fulfill the rotsin of the Abishtar, the will of Hashem, and it expresses itself, even in the fact that Bari Masli, that even his physical Masli down here, his strength is healthy and strong, 
even to the physical eye, even of a guy. Based on this idea of Bori Masli, that's Kodesh Adar means that even in my Gashmi is the Gathings, even in the Gashmi is the Gathings, he's all connected to Hashem and this has a, an, uh, an effect also on all of the Yonim to do with the world, etc. Says that ever we could now start understanding the connection between Kodesh Adar and Parshas Truma. And this is the state of tests. In the donation and making of the Mishkan, here was it where it was expressed in the fullest sense that Koyar the Yidin Gabra Makutoira, that a Yid, as he is a spiritual being, he could come there and bring all of that also into his physical existence down here in this world. That it is, that even in a place where money makes a big difference and where possessions make a big difference, it's a physical world. We say, what is a yid on the level of Zav? And what do we say Zav means besides gold? Zanoi saying boring that he always remains with that health, with that strength of a yid. And that gives a koyar that Chodesh Adar comes along. In fact, Chodesh Adar, that is, by the end of Chodesh Adar, that's when the Mishkan finished being made. And then came along the putting up, setting up the Mishkan, in what's known as the Shivas Yimei which was the end of Chodesh Adar, from Chod Gimel Adar, Purish Chodesh Nisim. So this causes that Bari Mazlai, that the Yid Mazl should be healthy and strong, even as he is a physical Gashmi of the world. He remains healthy, he remains strong, he remains on the level of Zav, Rosh Hutevus of Zeh, Anoisin Bari. Send the Rebbe and Siv Tess, this is also the idea of what the Gemara says, which in the Gemara comes right after discussing this concept of Adar having a specially healthy muzzle. What is the greatest simcha that a yid could have is when he knows that regardless which situation he's in, even at the lowest of the low, in a world that externally seems to be the biggest conceal with the ungodliness, and yet he's always connected to the Eivishter. Because even as the yid, is in this lowly place, on his shamli inside a physical body. He remembers that he's always a ben yochid, an only child to the melech, malchei, alochem, akadu, to Hashem himself. And that the aim, Mishka says, that what is the first possession of the yid is gold. In other words, even in a world where money matters, and where physical possessions matter, we say that every yid, in essence, is rich, both spiritually and physically. Now we can understand even more the comparison of because the Chiddush over here is that even in a situation where there's darkness, there's something like a Chiddush of which we say yet Chiddush Adar has the power to transform that as well. When a Yid thinks about all of this, then brings him to the greatest Simcha and a kind of Simcha that transforms and changes physical life. In other words, he's living in a world in accordance with the nature of the world, and yet because of the simcha, he becomes a transformed person. The Rebbe explains, the nature of simcha of joy is, is that it affects all matters of the person. When a person is happy, when a person is joyful, he is living a happy life. He is living a kind of simcha that has an effect on everything that he does and everything he comes in contact with. And not only that, he brings simcha to others as well. And Simcha brings Hatislacha, brings more success in everything that you do and in every part of your life, as we could see practically and clearly. In other words, 
in addition to the fact that Sivuchet itself is a great thing, a, a great thing that brings someone to Olam Abba, the Gemara tells us about a story about two people that there were jesters, there were people that made people happy, made jokes or made people happy, and the Gemara said that because of that, they were Zoichet Olam Abba, they have a portion of Olam Abba, but not only Olam Abba, the Rebbe says, when you have Sivuchet, you also have Olam Hazet. Because in this world, you have a much more real life, a much happier life, a much more successful life, when it is a happy life. Says the Rebbe Sifut. All of this is specifically emphasized where Shkodesh Adar falls out, like it did in that year, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, of course, when we speak about the days in the Yiddish and in the week, we're always speaking about the number of the days of the week. According to Torah, we have Yerushin, Yom Sheni, etc., so, Tuesday and Wednesday, we call it Tuesday and Wednesday, but it's actually number three and number four. The third day and the fourth day of the week. So, the Gemara says, on Gimel Dalad, three and four, the Gemara says, Gimel and Dalad stand for Gemoyal Dalad, being generous, giving to the poor. So, that means that even a person as he's in a state of poverty, state of being poor, yet there's Gimel, there's Gimel, there's all of the kindness being poured down, given from above. And that is the connection between Gimel and Dalit coming together. In fact, the word, when Gimel and Dalit come together, you have the word God, which actually means mazel, fortunate, luck. Or as we said before, the Yid's healthy mazel, bari mazli. And as we said, that the Yid has zohov, zanoisin bari, that he has full health, and his mazel is healthy, and so on and so forth. More specifically, that it says this idea, um, Gemoyel Dalim actually represents the special mile, the special advantage that Yidin got because of Matan Torah. And the Rebbe explains. When we say the words Gemoyel Dalim, now we know Dalim means a poor person, but there's another word in Kurdish for a poor person as well, which is a Rosh. So it could be Dalim, it could be Roshi. Now Rosh generally means someone that's even more poor than Dalim. Rosh represents a lower level Someone that's even more poor. And the Rebbe brings a Pasuk, the Rosh Ein Koil. It shows on a level that's much a, a much greater poverty than just Dal. So the Rebbe says, why don't we say Gemoyel Roshin? If we're speaking about the Wilas Chesed, being kind and so on, why don't we speak about the Rosh, which is again a lower level or someone that's even more poor. And the Rebbe explains it based on the difference between the letters Dalid and Resh. With both Dalit and Resh, is these two words, Dalit and Resh, which both, both mean poor. So the Rambis says the difference between the letters Dalit and Resh, we could see in the form of the shape of the letter. Now, of course, the Dalit and Resh are very, very similar. They both have the right leg, and they both have the roof on top. However, the Dalit has another little bit sticking out behind the roof of the Dalit, another extra little bit. The Rebbe says, this in the Kudu, this little dot represents the concept of Bitu. A dot represents the idea of being very small and being nullified. Which is the idea that's allowing the Makabel, the Recipi, or in the spheroids, this would be the sphere of Malthus, which is like poor. It doesn't have anything on its own. So it's dull, it's poor. But the Bitu is allowing it to receive and to connect to the Mashpia, to the one that's giving it. And in the spheroids, that would be the sphero of Yusoid. And that way you have Gemoyel Dalman. That the poor man, or the sphero of Malos, etc., could receive from the giver. 
in our mind, you know, what is this Lakuta, this dot? This thing is that pinnitalia, that little spark of Yiddishkeit, the essence of the Yid that exists inside each and every Yid, no matter who he is, where he is, when he is, which connects him to all of the Ashpois, to that which is being given from above. So the Rebbe says, this idea of Gimoyal Dalin, that as a Yid is even in a very, very poor state, in a lowly state, and yet we say, but he still has that pintily, and he always has that dot, that's by the Dalit, that spark of Yiddishkeit inside of him, as we said earlier, that was given by Matan Torah. That's when there was that separation that was removed between the higher and the lower. And Uvanu Vokarta, the Amish that chose the Yidin as an Ashama and a Kuf, down here in this world. And therefore, from then onward, the concept of a rush, of such poverty that doesn't have that little dot in the bar, that doesn't exist by Yidin. The only thing that could exist is the level of Dal, which is that poverty, but still with that pintily Yidin side. In other words, even before Matan Torah, there was an idea of Hashem and godliness coming down to this world. But it would have been then in a way of Gemoyl Roshim. What would that mean, Gemoyl Roshim, giving to the poor by the level of Rosh, rather than Dal, again, the Dal, the Rosh. The Rosh doesn't have that little dot. So that would mean that there's always a separation between the Mashpia and the Makabal, between the giver and the recipient, the Elyoinim and the Tashtoinim. Whereas by Matan Torah, we got that little pinnacle, that little dot that connects us to the Eidmister, that allows that there should be that connection between the Elyon and the Tachlin. The Rebbe says the Yeshuaimar that this is hinted in the word Geir. The word Geir, should the farther, is a Rosh Hashanah, the Rebbe says, I'm giving oil, Rashi. What does that mean? Before Matan Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Geir Oyisi, I was a farther. But Eretz Nochria in a foreign land. That means to say that because Moshe Rabbeinu is connected to the Eishter, so therefore, in this foreign land, in a place which is, so to speak, away from the Eishter, he's again he's foreign to that. He's not, not has nothing to do with it. However, after Matan Torah says the other, it's not even possible at all to have any connection to Eretz Nochria to any foreign things, even as a gay. Even as a foreigner, to have any sort of connection to the whole idea of Eretz Nachria. What does Eretz Nachria mean? The Rebbe says Eretz is for the word Rotsoin, which means a desire and a wish and a, and a want. So the Rebbe says for a yid to have any sort of connection to the desires of a goy, as the Ramba passed what we said before, that the inner desire of every single yid is only to fulfill the Rotsoin of the Yemishtar. He wants to do only the mitzvahs and to be distant from Averois. Because every yid has that nekudas ayadas, that pintal yid, that little dot that's behind the dalad, in the most perfect way. Says the Rebbe, Steve Yudal, the lesson from all of this is, first and foremost, first and foremost you learn out that the eight Mishnah Paschals in his holy Torah, the eternal Torah for all generations and all places, that every single yid is first and foremost connected to Zav, to gold. Simply, this means the Rebbe says that every single yid needs to be rich both spiritually and physically. Richness in the most simple and literal way. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, not only that that's the way it should be, but in fact, the Rebbe says, every yin already has richness bepoil, and even if you don't have it revealed in a gashni is the way, it's not because it doesn't exist chas v'sholon, rather a yid has to reveal this through his avoid. And on the contrary, by revealing it out of the darkness, 
then you get it an additional benefit of Yisraeli, the additional light that comes out of the darkness. And in addition, says the Rebbe, of lots of Gishmei Bracha, literally Gishmei and Gishmei Bracha means um, ray of Bracha, in a way of Tigboyrus that highs, it says on Siddhis that the rain comes down in a strong way, representing in Yonim of Gevorah, but in a positive way, lots and lots of Brachas with lots of strength, so that there's a whole flood of only good and, and, and uh, good rain, rain of blessing, but only in a positive way, so that it transforms even any negative sort of flooding to floods of good and holiness, and ultimately as Ahono, to Molor, it's Deus Hashem, to the time that the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem, like the water that covers the sea. Says the Rebbe, especially in our generation, the last generation of Golas and the first generation of Gula, after we completed everything already, and all that we need to have now is Kabbalah's to name Mashiach Tzadkeinu, Bepoyal receiving and greeting Mashiach Tzadkeinu. Practically, so surely the Abishra benches every single unit with richness, with gold, both physically and spiritually, and similar to the times of the ETS Mitzrayim we're going to have when Mashiach comes, that every single unit will have 90 donkeys, Libyan donkeys, loaded with the silver and gold of Mitzrayim. In the footnote of here, in number 85, the Rebbe points out by saying 90 donkeys, which that's the Lushen of the Gemara, the Rebbe says, points out that we're right, right now, what the Rebbe was saying the Sikha, in the Shnaz HaTzadik, in the 90th year, of course, the 90th year of the Rebbe. Says the Rebbe, for this we added the Oyerah, the lesson immediately, that a Yid needs to try in every way possible to be rich, starting with richness, Baruchlius, a Oshir El the first richness is in your mind, richness spiritually, to be rich with Torah and mitzvahs, and also rich physically, so that you could be able to do Torah and mitzvahs in a peaceful and a relaxed way, as the Rambam Paskins, and they should be able to give lots of tzedakah and do mitzvahs with even more hidur, and extra hidur, and generally to utilize the richness, the gold, silver, and copper, to make out of your personal house a mishkan and a migdash for Hashem, b'shachanti b'soichom, inside of each and every yid, Including those who by giving tzedakah for building a shul, a base mandish in the literal sense, which is the idea of a mikdash ma'atas, a base mikdash. says that in your base, and the thing that's most tiny right now, building the third base of mikdash in the literal sense. After all the different explanations of including the idea that we need to make a place for Hashem inside of each and every end, but first and foremost, you have the simple pshat of the Posit. Which is the one that's Legea that's relevant for Allah Lamaisa is that he didn't have the obligation to build a base Amigdash. And in regards to us, this is referring to build a third base Amigdash, literally, as the Rambam Paschal, the Mashiach is going to come and build a base Amigdash. Uvana Migdash Bimkoyle build a base Amigdash in its right place. And based on the Rambam, everyone has to come along and help and assist both by themselves and with their money, men and women likened in Midbar. So it's understood that the same thing refers to the third base amygdala, that every single is going to participate by his donations, men, women, and the Rebbe says, via Shloimar, we could say also children, as it was by the Nadovis, by the Mishra. Especially, says the Rebbe, the now generation, they, the children, the Yiddish little children, were already educated and accustomed to giving tzedakah, in addition to the fact that they are made as shaluchim to give tzedakah. So besides for that, they are also given money 
that becomes their own personal money so that they could take that from their own personal money and give it to Tzedakah. Says the Rebbe, if you do. In addition to that, we also have the simple lesson from the fact that which is in addition to the general halacha of Yivduis Hashem B'Simcha, we always have to serve the Yivduis Hashem B'Simcha. And as the Apostle says, Avadatus Hashem B'Simcha and there are more pastures, a person with a cheerful heart always has a feast. It's always a time to make simcha. So standing in the beginning of Chodesh Adar, and the year that the Rebbe said, this is a two months of Adar, Adar Risham and Adar Shini. And based on what's known at the beginning and opening of something as a special coin, that which opens the channel for simcha for all the days of Adar for the whole year. So therefore we have to draw coins from the opening, from the beginning of Adar, from Mishan Nicholas Adar, to increase in all matters of simcha. By taking upon ourselves as good resolutions and bringing them about practically to try in every possible way to increase and add in happy things, starting with things that are on Shabbos itself, that which is permissible on Shabbos, especially that the Pasuk says, the days of your rejoicing, and is referring to Shabbos. And then, of course, ever increasing in every single day of the two months of Adar to add more and more in matters of Simcha, as it's known that regarding Simcha, you always need something new, like a new face, to bring more Simcha. So it's a matter of increasing in Simcha and in new ways every single day. And based on the rule that in all matters of Toiv and Kedusha of good and holiness, the quicker you are, the earlier you are, the more praiseworthy it is. And the more you do, again, the more praiseworthy it is. So how much more so this applies to matters of Simcha than on their own there's something already. That breaks all barriers, so how much more so when Marbim Besimcha will be increased the Simcha in the month of Ador, and again, especially in a way when every single day you are increasing and adding an happiness even more than the previous days. And simply, the Rebbe says, what this all means is that every single you should add in all matters of Simcha, both regarding yourself as well as bringing joy to others, as it is known that the real Simcha is doubtful when it's together with other people. First and foremost, by adding in Pikute Hashem Yisharim Samtelev in Torah, in the mitzvahs of Hashem, that, that bring joy to the heart. That means learning Torah, both Nikola the Torah, the revealed part of Torah, and especially Pnimiyas HaTorah, learning Chesidus. And of course, learning is meant to bring it to action, so doing mitzvahs Vedor. And most importantly, says the Rebbe, that by increasing in Simcha and matters of Torah and mitzvahs, this follows to bring about Simcha and Marbim Basimcha, the simple and literal sense. Also in Gashmi is the things, as we said before, that the Chidosh and Chidosh Ador is that even in the world, the Yid has a healthy and strong mazel, and the Shulchan Aruch instructs us about this. And here again, both as far as bringing joy to yourself, also to others, starting with your family, the husband bringing joy to his wife, parents bringing joy to their children, in all things that naturally cause them joy according to their own nature as the Shulchan Aruch Paschalists. Especially, the Nebuchadnezzar says, it's important that the father should bring Simcha to his children. As the Nebuchadnezzar says, we can see practically that that, when a father brings Simcha to the children, this is going to cause extra Simcha, because sometimes the father might tell them a little bit of a harsh word, because of Chinuch, of course, and so on. But nevertheless, it's all ultimately to bring a greater connection between the father and the children and how much they love him and so on and so forth. The Rebbe says, so too it's important to bring Simcha to other hidden around you. As we said before, 
that when you bring Simcha, that brings you both Olam Habor and Olam Hazir. Included the Rebbe's, if you download, we hear it, that adding and increasing in Simcha will break through all barriers, starting with the very, very last barriers that are remaining from the Golos, and will transform them into matters of Toiv and Kedusha, and especially breaking through the barriers of the last moments of Golos, that it becomes through the last moment of Golos into the first moment of the Golo, coming through our activities, our actions, especially when we do them through Simcha, and especially the avoid of the Noshim Tzitzkonis Bistrov, the righteous women of amongst them, that in their schools, the Gula is going to come just like at the time of the Gula of Mitzrayim. Just before learning the next paragraph, it's important just to mention that the Rebbe is referring to over here, although he doesn't specify, but the Rebbe is referring to over here to a terrible tragedy that happened at that time in Crown Heights when Mrs. Ashalea Lapine Shem was killed, and the Rebbe is referring to her in this coming paragraph. In fact, in the next week's little Pashas Tetzavra, the Rebbe speaks about that in much more detail. So while speaking about the Noshun Tzitkoni Yisrael, Yisrael, the righteous woman of Yidin, that in Nuzchus the Gula comes. So the Rebbe says, especially the Noshun Tzitkoni that passed away loyoleinu al Kiddush Hashem, for the sanctity of Hashem's name, Rachulano Litzwan. And he wrote and says that it may be the way they wish as well, that this should be the very, very last incident of such a type of thing, and of any sort of passing away. And from now on, there should only be long life, arichus, yalam, and good years for everyone single year, men, women, and children, with good health, especially that we said, bori mazli, it's a healthy mazli, health, begashmis, and maruchnis. Until we will go without any interruption at all into the eternal life, and her zechus should stand by every single year, and surely for herself as well, starting with that it will be Akitsu Adonu Shoich Neofer, that is, it will be Trias HaMesim, and the Tzaddikim and Tzitkonius will get up right away, and instead of all of that, we'll only have happiness. Our mouths will be filled with laughter and with joy and praise, especially that we made a Hachana for all of this ready, and we made a Kaimi for all of this ready by having Silcha. It, and in this and at this point of time, when we're doing something similar to Yimoli Peter, when we're fulfilling mitzvahs, especially the mitzvah of tefillin, which the Gemara says that that especially brings a great simcha, similar to the Yimoli Peter that's going to be when Mashiach comes, especially says that since we are in the doyu of Kvoid Kedushas whose name was Yosef Yitzchak, which is a hint to Yosef to Ari. In Yitzchak, in the idea of simchad, laughter and joy, and so that all the hidden with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, together with all of the silver and gold, together with all the shul and abatim, and shukut flowers, we will all go to Eretz HaKodesh, to Yerushalayim, to HaKodesh, to the third base of English, to the triple base of English, as it ever refers to it, and the take it from Yad and Mamsh.